everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. Poker. This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. And welcome once again, everyone. Big Dave and Joe from South Florida as we bring you another edition of Poker Action Line. And uh, we have a special guest tonight, uh, the show that I've been looking forward to uh, since I've seen the movie uh, Molly's Game. Uh, I saw it a couple of weeks ago. And we are just uh, right around the corner from the Oscars. Uh, the uh, writer of the uh, script and director, Aaron Sorkin, very well known to people, Joe, around uh, the movie world, well, more TV than movies, but he now, in his directorial debut uh, in this film, uh, is not up for the director uh, Oscar, but is up for a uh, adapted screenplay. And uh, we will look forward to talking uh, about the poker angle of the movie. It's not really a poker movie, as uh, Aaron Sorkin tried to warn everybody ahead of time. There are a lot of poker scenes. Uh, home games, and uh, you haven't seen the film yet, but uh, I, I hope you'll see it before too long. Oh, absolutely, and I've, got, I've heard nothing but great reviews about it. Uh, I've even had one friend who went to see it and told me I would really enjoy it. Yeah, so. it's a lot of fun. Uh, we know about the story, so it's just a matter of how it got put together and, uh, you know, Everything I've heard about it, including, like I said, the one friend who went to see it, it says it's outstanding. Well, it, we've been talking about the film since it was first announced. Now, the book came out, I guess, in 2014, and uh, the reviews of the book were not all that great. In fact, uh, Nolan Dalla, on his uh, column, uh, his blog, does a great inter- uh, review of the movie and talks about how he didn't expect much because he thought that the book was so bad. And uh, you kind of look at the source material, and if it's bad to start out with, you really got uh, you got nowhere to go but up. But it's kind of hard to adjust. So uh, we'll we'll talk about uh, that with our special guest tonight, the poker consultant for the movie, uh, Josh Leichner, uh joins us from Toronto. And uh, Josh, thanks uh, for being with us. Appreciate it. Look forward to our conversation tonight. And just to let you know, as we head into this thing. Uh, Joe uh, is a poker dealer from way back and dealt the same kind of games that you ran and that Molly ran. Of course, Molly ran them on a bigger uh, scale, but Joe has experience with some uh, poker games like these. No kidding. Gentlemen, pleasure to be here. (laughs) How are you, Josh? Uh, I'll get into that in just a second. Uh, I do want to talk about your... Uh, where you started in poker, and how you got involved with a film. I mean, you're obviously not a filmmaker, and uh, this was a, a tremendous experience for you. Are you a movie fan just uh, going way back? Oh, my God. Since since childhood, no doubt. Uh, so, to get started, and I hope I don't get too long-winded with this, but I was captivated by poker, televised poker, uh, I mean, it, this this is going back to when I'm in university, but, you know, late 90s, watching the World Series of Poker on TV, and I say to myself, why can't I run tournaments like that? Uh, it became a situation where I started running tournaments out of my house, inviting friends. Uh, I, I played well. Uh, I was a student of the game. I still am. And I won a couple of the tournaments, and it just feeded the appetite. People found it fun tournament started to grow, couldn't do them in my house anymore, and then partnering up with some underground games in the, you know, the North Toronto suburbs, 
and uh, it just snowballed. In 1999, I ran a 95-person tournament where we sent the winner to the World Series of Poker that year and had a nice big prize pool, and it just kind of snowballed. And, you know, it it ingratiated myself with a lot of the underground games in the area. Uh, My network of people was pretty attractive to those guys who were always trying to keep their games live. And uh, it just I just became the poker guy. Leading up to... I, I was going to say, go let me just say, uh, uh, I want you to explain a little bit about how much work goes into this. Joe shows up as a dealer, so he didn't run these games himself, but he dealt at many of these games and has a good idea of what's involved in setting them up. He went on to a career as a uh, poker room director and at a paramutual down here in South Florida. So tell us a little bit about the work that goes in, that's involved with setting these games up. So forget about the day job that we'll put aside because you know we all got to have one. <laughs> Correct. But uh, uh, this is before the age of text messaging is just so darn easy to go back and forth. So your network is controlled over cold calling your friends and telling them what's going on, right. and they're friends of friends, and everybody's got to be able to vouch. And then email becomes pretty prominent, and you've got to design uh, an email that goes out to 150 or 200 people. And just like text messages, people get back to you and they say, hey, no more emails, please. Or they're interested and they're clamoring. Can you add my email address? It just grows. And, you know, you're sending weekly emails uh, about the games that are going on and which ones they should visit and and the big tournaments on Sunday night. And, oh, by the way, the house where this tournament's at run games Monday, Wednesday, Friday kind of thing. And I got... I got a lot of good love from the underground games and their locations because I was bringing in players. Uh, I was running my tournaments. It's okay to talk about now how, you know, I was able to profit on my tournament night and made a little bit of a deal for cash game action, let's say, on my particular night because it, it boosted it boosted their their numbers. So they boosted my numbers and that it's it's a hell of a lot of work and a lot of people are you know they were telling me i i can't believe that you did all that back at a time where it wasn't so easy it it got a lot easier uh mid 2000s when text messaging was you know it's a couple of flicks of the finger right. you can put a group together send 100 text messages in a second it, yeah, absolutely it it just made it much easier let me just jump in and explain to our audience uh that haven't seen the movie, that uh, the story of Molly's game, both the book and the movie, is the story of Molly Bloom, who was a uh, near-professional skier. She, uh, I guess, was uh, considered for the Olympics. I know that her brother was the number one skier in the world at one point. Uh, but she's pretty well known because she was known as the poker princess. And, and when the book was coming out, uh, people wanted a lot of dirt about who played at these games because it was... Uh, not only athletes, but actors and, and movie stars, uh, members of the Russian mob played in this game, which she didn't know at the time, I guess, uh, in the beginning, and led to a lot of trouble for her. But big-time players in nosebleed stake games. Uh, you never got to that type of uh, instance, and I don't think Joe has ever dealt in those types of games. <laughs> but... Uh, one of the things they continued to point out in the movie was that she didn't take a rake from these games in the beginning. 
and therefore was able to get away with it for a long time before things got a little tough and she got arrested. Uh, explain uh, to everybody uh, what's involved and how you make money in these games if you can't take a rake and uh, what the real-life situation is maybe in the way that you did it. Okay, so <laughs> I've I've already gotten in trouble for all this stuff. So I, let's, <laughs> I know. let's have a frank discussion. I'm not going to I'm not going to have any knocks on the door anytime soon. So let's let's talk about this. It's very unique the way she told her story uh, in her book and, and the way it's portrayed in the movie because she was very legit going through it, uh, making every one of her clients, uh, making every one of those people that comes to her game clients and declaring taxes and. They'd literally tip her, so at the end of the night, there wouldn't have to be a rake. It could keep her game legit. Uh, there's, a, there's a funny line in the movie, and, and Aaron Sorkin is one of the best writers going. Forget about the director of the, the directorial debut, but uh, there's a quick quip in the movie where Molly's sitting in her lawyer's office at the time, and, and he says, you know, you just want to make sure that you're not breaking the law when you're breaking the law. And she's, you know, What? You're not gonna, supposed to break the law when you're breaking the law. And they were just talking about how important it was that while you were running an illegal game, you couldn't break the law. And it, it just it was a funny exchange back and forth. But she managed to approach it in such a way before taking a rake that by making every one of her attendees clients and you know paying taxes and they were clear tips. It's it's real life, not the same. So back in the day. You know, we're running, you know, not 5,100 on the blinds. We're doing 1-2 no limit. We're doing 5-5 five, five, no limit, sometimes 5-10 no limit. The no limit game, when it started to become more prominent, it was easy to fill a table or two a night uh, a couple times a week. And, yes, there would be an income generation. Uh, we'd feed everybody. They'd drink whatever they wanted. They'd eat whatever they wanted. And they'd take advantage. But at the same time, so would we. There would be a percentage of the pot that came out that was palatable, uh, for for the players, they were happy to have the action there at the table, but uh, at the same time, they knew. Uh, you know, I do we do you want to talk percentages? What was coming out of the uh, spot? Yeah, it, yeah. It, back back in the day, uh, we would uh, we would talk about having the dealers take ten percent up to a maximum of ten bucks out of the pot, and as the games grew and the action grew, and you could get fifteen hundred dollar pots per hand. Then we're taking max $15 rakes. If you were downtown in, in, in Greek town, they would take max $25 a hand for rakes. And what you told the players the rake was and what the dealer could grab were two different things, Joe, I'm sure that you've experienced that. <laughs> yes, sir, I have. Uh, Not everybody at the table tips, and sometimes the dealers would make sure that they got tipped as well. And it's just standard practice, and you've got a table full of nice but degenerate gamblers at the same time. So when they're looking at $1,500 pots, you know, they're not going to care too much that 40 or 50 came out. And over the course of the hour, you're generating three, 400 an hour in revenue for, a, you know, a particular house. And it's not like, you know, three, 400 an hour sounds like, hey, these guys are making hand over fist, but there's expenses. You've got to pay for the units that you're renting to run the games. You've got to keep the food and the drink flowing. You've got to provide entertainment whenever you can. Uh, it's, you know, when the guys say they're hungry again, you've got to find a late-night joint that's going to deliver $300 worth of food. At the end of the night, everybody kind of divvies up what they've got left, 
And then you got to work out what your debt sheet was for the night because there's always a guy that lost more than he came with. You've got to pay a lot of people respect who give you action in your game. And, you know, so they brought 3,000, but they lost six. And if you say no uh, to to extending a little bit of credit on the table, then you don't get them back to the game next week. And then it's, you know, bring bring the money next week. We'll extend you the amount of credit that uh, that you brought to the game will extend you that amount of credit and trying to keep on top of all that you you can imagine it, well, joe have you seen any of that in your past I, have i seen any of it? it it sounds like you're giving me a flashback of my life here um yeah and people don't realize josh the delicate balance that you have to have you know sometimes you wind up giving out in loans like you said to people who come with three thousand and and you give them another three thousand dollars and you know Another person lost two, two or three thousand, and you spotted them fifteen, two, fifteen hundred, two thousand, and before you know it, at the end of the night, you didn't make anything. Everything is out on the books, you know, and, right. and people so, don't realize that. And you got to pay your dealers whatever tips they made. You got to pay out the winners at the game, or else you don't have another game. You know, people. You know, I mean, I was hearing you tell how hard this is. And, you know, for people who don't really run this, and, yes, that rake system. Now, the one question I was going to ask you is most of those players that that you had at your game, were they in the poker industry, meaning were they dealers themselves, supervisors? Because, you know, taking $15, as you were explaining to us, out of a pot or, or max 25, even if the, even if the action is, is you know, the, the, the limits on the table are big, you know, if I tried to do that, or any of the people I worked with tried to do that, you know, and I and I had been told as a dealer to take X amount of dollars out of pots, okay? And the, the, that's that's the, definitely a hard game to beat. I oh, know where you're going with that. You know, you know and exactly. Fifteen, twenty, twenty-five dollars coming out of that's a, for any nit. That's a hard game to exactly. beat, and they won't even. Just a, a pure poker player won't sit in a game like that. So the guys in the game. Our normal everyday Joes that like the action. Exactly. Um, you got your, you got your sharks that'll sit in the game that know that they've got, regardless of the rake, they've got positive EV to sit down because they're going to be winners more than they're losers. But you know, typically speaking, it's the value really wasn't there for the poker player per se. Those guys <laughs> would make their ways to casinos to get uh, to get the proper structure. So. So there's actually a tight tightrope to walk between not pissing anybody off, uh, worrying about the legal aspects that you may run into, and trying to make some money yourself. Oh my God, that that tightrope <laughs> is so thin, you have no idea. At the end of the night, oftentimes you'd find yourself in a situation where you're profitable. You can't believe the numbers that just came in, but you don't have that money. (laughs) I always tried to get myself into a situation where I never had to come out of pocket to cover the sheet, but definitely you could blow your, your, you can roll your your box, and we call the rake the box. We could blow your entire box for the night lending the money out. So the game becomes then, you're not going home with money tonight, but it's coming to you because... This guy is good for it, and you're going to get yeah. it next week, and it's a constant chase. Sometimes the dealer's got to take a little bit of a haircut because there's no cash at the end of the night. I want to make the, you know, I, I always try to make the dealers happy because they're the ones hustling up the game. And to, to, to one of your earlier questions, are the dealers sitting in the game? Joe, I don't want to put you in a negative light at all, but I can tell you that 
dealers are just as excited to get right back on the table. In in my experience, there 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 are a couple of players in the game. Sometimes the house shills, where you know, sit down with three hundred bucks and just grind it out, fill the table, give some action when the table's a little bit light. <laughs> you know, they'll lose they'll lose a little bit of their money. And sometimes when you put them in with your own money, they'll, they'll kick you a little bit back on a percentage. There's so many different angles well, to keep to keep the game going. <laughs> Josh, what I had, I, I I was working at a very profitable game in the early nineties. And I mean, very profitable for me as a dealer. Now, and I thought the game was soft enough for me to be able to make money. So the house guy, I helped him because, Josh, one thing I've done in my, in my career, I've trained well over 300 people to be poker dealers, okay? And, you know, I could always get the best dealers to come and deal at the game, you know, and he ran that game three times, sometimes four times a week, okay? And the only thing he asked was, you know, he, he gave me two dealing days of which, you know, at that time, you know, bringing home 800 to $1,000 a night was, was nothing, okay? And, and that was before No Limit, but we had to come and sit and play on another night. So right. if you had, you know, luckily for me, you know, just like any other poker player, no matter how good or bad you I mean, you know, how really good you are, you will have some nights that aren't bad, but you kind of limit your losses for the most part. And then there was other nights where you, and I don't know about you, Josh, but it was a delicate balance because I'm beating some of these people who are later going to have to tip me on another night. And, you know, that, I found that to be a very delicate balance for me as as a player being that I had to be there to earn the money that I made dealing the other two nights. I, I want to give a little uh, props to uh, Robbie Straczynski, who uh, this is how I found the story. Robbie, of course, has been on the show with us a few times, uh, has a uh, website called uh, Card Player Lifestyle, and uh, runs a very extensive interview with Josh, and takes a little bit of a different tack toward it than I am, but... Uh, uh, if you want some more information about the movie, and we will get to a little bit of that, but uh, uh, it's a very interesting uh, idea on what was involved in, in the background of the film. But I think it's so interesting to find out uh, you know, how Josh started in the business, got into this as a uh, just kind of a fun hobby type thing, and, uh, and really had a great time. So uh, check out Robbie's website at cardplayerlifestyle.com. Uh, you did get arrested uh, in Canada for this, and you mentioned it. Uh, probably not the greatest times of your life that you want to rehash, but uh, tell us a little bit about uh, you know, what the police were looking for and maybe just wanted to uh, kind of put you over the barrel so that they could get more information about the people who played at the game. Right. So, <laughs> first of all, before we get there, Robbie, great guy, yeah, had a great absolutely. time. That article turned out fabulous. It's a... It's an awesome read if you're going to do that. Uh, had a great time with that. So with regards to the gaming, the, the, the gig was up for me in 2008. Uh, I was still in the email phase, and I had invited unknowingly uh, an underground, uh, to the underground, an undercover cop, somebody with the gaming police. And this is a guy that showed up a couple weeks to a game that I was partners with, uh, two or three weeks in a row. And each week he'd sit down, he said he'd love to play, lost two or $300, was a horrible player, and at one time, sitting at the table, playing in the game, we actually made a joke, I mean, you know, you play like a cop, uh, you know, and, and everybody had a chuckle. We had no idea. So, you know, a couple weeks later, I decided not to attend the game, and I was at home with the wife, sleeping in bed, 
two in the morning, I get a call in bed from one of my dealer's cell phones, and it wasn't my dealer on the phone. It was uh, Constable so-and-so telling me that the game was uh, was being raided. I was getting text messages at the same time from everybody at the game saying, uh, you know, we're, we're being shut down, we're being raided, don't come down here. And I'm listening to this cop on the phone telling me I need to get down there and answer to the warrant uh, or else I'm going to be... Uh, they're going to come for me. And I'm scared. I've been running games for years now, but never had a taste of this. Couldn't understand how this could happen. And I just voluntarily went down and, uh, and offered myself up and said, listen, I, I'm not even here. What do you, what do you guys, what does this have to do with me? And, uh, at which point, you know, you get fingerprinted and they said, listen, stop talking about it. Cause whatever you say can be used against you. And, to make a long story short, I got charged with keeping a common gaming house along with a couple of other people. Um, everybody was uh, charged with something called found in a gaming house up in Canada, criminal code offenses. Uh, it cost me some money to get a lawyer, and through that court system, got the charges dropped, provided I made uh, a donation to the charity of my choice, which I think at the time totaled $1,000 and promised not to be involved in the gambling arena for at least a year. Uh, it took me a couple of days to get back involved. <laughs> wow, that long, huh? You actually, you actually changed the yeah, way you no, did I, things, though, right? I mean, you went to a, more of a, a charity-type situation, uh, running charity games and that sort of thing, right? Yeah, so we scaled it back. Uh, at the same time as running these games, I have uh, a very good friend of mine, a dealer at the time, who helped me staff legitimate events. People were asking me to run their tournaments, fundraisers for, for kids' hockey teams and uh, sports organizations where all the parents got together and spent a night raising money playing poker for whatever they needed to raise money for. Some, some, some of them were even uh, disease fundraisers for buddies who were dying of cancer and stuff like that. It just caught on. So I, I let my partner know that I wasn't going to be as upfront as I once was. I thought I needed to lay low. And he suggested he make an investment, buy 10 brand new poker tables that we would store and start servicing legitimate type of games where they weren't underground and it was noble causes. And I said, okay, let's go for it. And his investment in those tables at the time became our partnership. And it just snowballed over the next decade, bringing us right up to today well, we've got a legitimate business. Uh, it's called All-In Event Management. We are servicing the corporate sector, the private sector. We're doing stag parties on Friday night, uh, running running legitimate fundraisers that cross as many of the T's and dot as many of the I's with regards to the laws of the land. We know how to stay kosher now. Um, you know, there are some things you kind of got to bend and, and, and not break, but we do that, and it's it's caught the attention the game, I mean, it grew itself. So now we've got uh, we've got a legitimate business going and uh, deriving an income. I haven't been involved in the underground scene for a while, which brings me to meeting the prop master on the film, <laughs> okay. who who calls our company in a legitimate way and says, "Listen, we're doing a production. We're going to need some equipment, tables, chips." And he comes to the warehouse, he sees our stuff, he says, this is perfect movie set stuff. They've given him, when you're a prop master, you're ahead of the props team, 
you've got a huge responsibility of making sure you're bringing equipment to the game if they want to film a poker scene. You need every implement that that you could possibly imagine for a poker scene. Hang on to to that thought, Josh. Uh, We'll come back. We need to take a quick break, and uh, we'll want to find all about how you got involved with the film and what was involved once you did get it there. But we've got to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Uh, Josh Lechner joins us on the show, and uh, we'll be back with more on Poker Action Line in just a few moments. Got to pay the bills. (laughs) This is Poker Action Line. This is Big Dave for PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Want to know what's really cool? Your charitable tax-deductible donation every time you play. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com, the feel-good gateway to fun and prizes. Play free. Learn our system. Get 50,000 free chips and play for prizes. Play for scholarships that benefit Caribbean students. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Take it from Big Dave. A win for you is a donation to Caribbean education. PlaceYourChipsCaribbean.com. Back on the show, Big Dave and Joe, and our special guest, Josh Leichner, who uh, I guess the official title is uh, Technical no, poker, poker Consultant, consultant poker right? Poker Consultant? Uh, but we want to find out how you got into that, and you were starting to tell the story. I didn't want to break you off, but I, once we get into this, it's going to be so interesting that, uh, that I want to give you plenty of time to explain it. But you met the prop master, you started on that, and... Uh, it was really the way you kind of uh, handled describing your life in poker that got you this uh, position. Yeah. So they, uh, he reported back to the production team that he had found the guys with regards to getting all the equipment and implements they needed, but that he met this guy who was going on about the industry, who was talking about poker, and that it's more than just the cards, and, and that poker's a game about pushing people around and influencing others and using a little bit of uh, exerting influence so to speak. So you get a normal guy who sits at a table in his life. He's got his wife who's nagging him. He's got his boss who's nagging him. He's, he's got to deal with all kinds of stress during the day. But here you can sit in a poker game and with a little bit of money, you can, you can bluff the crap out of people and you can push them around and you can, you can be that guy. You're not at the office and win money while you're doing it. And it's just, you know, a microcosm of life. And, uh, how, how, how can we, How's language for the show for the podcast? We've got to keep it clean. Yeah, you get a little. We'll give you a little bit of rope. Okay, a little bit of rope. I'm not going to go nuts, but <laughs> I just simply told them, listen, we all have wives and husbands and brothers and and daughters and sisters and everybody loves us. We're all part of our families, but for some reason, the game. If there's an asshole you in you somewhere, <laughs> the game brings it out, and it just it makes it fun and exciting. So the prop master's listening to all this and. He's, like, blown away, and I get a call the very next week from him saying, you know, I was having a talk with the production team. We'd like you to come down to the studio. Uh, we want to talk more about what you do and, and how you can help the film. I think I know what's brewing at the time, but I get down to the studio for the meeting with my partner, and there's a sign on the window in the office that says, Director Aaron Sorkin. I had no idea what the project was called at the time. And everything, all the chips are starting to fall into place. And I'm, I'm hearing about this production that's going on with Molly's game. And I can't believe where I am. And I spend an hour with uh, assistant directors as well as Aaron himself just going over the same stuff 
that I had gone all over with the prop master who's sitting there in the room and he says, tell Aaron, tell Aaron what you told me about, <laughs> you know, poker and the game and, and, you know, getting busted in 2008. And Aaron started to go off and say, you know, your lifestyle sounds a lot like our main character. Uh, do you know the story of Molly Bloom? And I, and I, I did because in the industry you hear about that stuff and I followed it when it all broke at the time, but had no real idea what was in the works here. And, by the end of the hour, he literally looks, he's, there's a, an awkward silence, and he looks about the room back and forth at the, the assistant directors, and he says, I think these are our guys. This is our guy. Get these guys some sweaters, and, uh, and congratulations. You're on the, you're on the set. How, how familiar were you with Aaron's work uh, before that meeting? Oh, my God. The newsroom. The West Wing. A few good men. I, you know who Aaron Sorkin is going in. I'm right. a huge fan. I, I told him my, my mom is a huge fan. He said, well, thank, my, thank your mom for me. I, I was, you know, I'm not often starstruck in, in our industry working legitimate fundraisers. We could deal with a lot of celebrities. But this is all happening for me very quickly, and I was taken aback. I had to, I had to adjust. But i got to tell you, arriving on set for the first time, Riding up an elevator at the Royal York Hotel in Toronto. It's Fairmont Royal York. It's one of the nicest hotels in the city. And they're filming some of the scenes that finished the movie at the high net worth games that Molly was running. I'm going up the elevator with Aaron Sorkin and assistant directors, and the doors open to this floor that they've turned into a, a fabulous movie set. I blew my mind. But uh, the job is the job, and and I was literally on the fly, just let know that you're here on an advisory capacity. We're going to design all kinds of scenes. We're going to block these scenes. You, you're you going to tell us what looks right, what doesn't look right, and Aaron's going to throw in his influence. Uh, they gave me the rules of the road with regards to a movie set. You know, you're not going to just jump out and say, hey, hey, hey wait. So there was a process to it, and it, it only took a day. But uh, for the better part of three months, and, and when poker scenes came up, I was there on an advisory basis, just making sure very closely with the props team, because they're props guys that work every movie, not just right. poker right. movies, not right. just gambling movies. They had no idea that, you know, a guy's chip stack during a scene has to look exactly the same when you go back to one we're taking pictures of yeah. each stack before a scene yeah, was the continuity. Set the continuity is so hard to... to continuity, work. great word. It's what they used all the time. Backing up the decks to make sure that through all the 20 takes from each angle and before you're turning around to go to the other angle, that you get everything exactly the same way. At the same time, running boot camps for actors behind the scenes, uh, trying to get them brushed up on how they should look. Some of them did never have played a hand of poker in their life. Um, some of them don't have speaking roles, but at the same time, they've got to look like they know what they're doing. So it's my job to sit there and, and say, this is how this is going to go. Dealer's going to pass you a card. You're going to catch those cards. You're going to stop them with your hands. Uh, you're going to look at them. You're not going to pick them up in your face. But, you know, you're, you're going to tilt them up like a poker player would, like you see on TV. And we'd go through boot camps of just showing them what's going to happen, what it's going to look like so that they don't feel foolish and they can do their job. They're actors. They want to look good. They want to impress. They want to do their job. That's, you know. Josh, I was going to ask you, uh, when you did this, because 
you know, it's, 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 it sounds like you and I have been doing this for a long time. You know, every every and and I love that analogy that you said. If there's an asshole in you and it'll come out in the game, God, that is that that should be etched in stone somewhere. But um, let me tell you, you know, I'm sure you had to work on body language as to how they react. Um, uh, and again, forgive me that I have not yet seen the movie as, as to how it breaks down. But, you know, that you have to go through that body language at those stakes. You know, people don't, you know, some people have told me, oh, they don't care. No, they definitely care about that amount of money when, when they lose that kind of money. Uh, did you have to work on different characters, as, as you just mentioned, about how they were picking up the cards? This one looks at it one way, you know, kind of stereotyping people into a certain way so they would constantly play this way throughout the scenes and the poker scenes? Yeah, so, you know, pre-editing, and you're filming these scenes, and the camera's always running. There are a lot of cut-ins in this movie, and after the after they've edited it, it's all bits and pieces of what we got shot and filmed. But when you're playing out a hand in a scene, you don't stop and cut in and cut out. It's one continuous thing, so the actors really had to play the part. There were several actors that, that had to work with who had never played the game that the body language was important. And he said, very, he's asking me, how do I sit? Do I lean forward? Do I peek down at my cards? He, we've got it down perfect. It was very rewarding because after their particular scenes, particular people would come up to me and thank me for their help. And they, who the hell am I? I'm just, I'm just giving you advice. I'm, I'm telling them what every poker player knows how to do second nature. But this was a big deal for him because it played off perfectly. And I let him know, too. The scene was over, and I let him know. I said, you nailed that. That's exactly what we talked about. And after having seen the movie, I, I couldn't believe how well they cut it together. It looks perfect. Did they, uh, did they invite you in to watch the dailies uh, and, and, and talk about it there? No. Uh, I mean, we, we sat in front of the screens, and we watched playbacks and stuff like that. Uh, we always had headsets on in front of the, the screens and, and just saw how things were shot and what they looked like once they checked the gate. Uh, the only invite that I got was to the, the world premiere, which we did at the Toronto Film Festival. Uh, it, it was a packed house of moviegoers and cast and crew. So that was the first time I got to see the finished product in early September. How about uh, how about insight into what the movie business is all about? Because people who have worked as extras on films know that uh, for a 35-second scene, it might take three hours to shoot it, and then you got to move everything and shoot it from a different angle and that sort of thing. It's really kind of tough and, and can be a little bit boring at times. You have no idea the amount of respect I now have for actors in general. They, they could be principals. They could be extras. It doesn't matter. Background, every scene is excruciating. So, you know, when you're watching a scene of a conversation between two people, it's subconsciously, you don't realize that during that scene, you're watching the talker from his, over his shoulder. You're watching another angle, cuts to from over the other guy's shoulder, cuts to a picture of both people talking together, the other side, both people talking together. There are five or six different angles of a conversation that are shot, and every angle is shot 25 or 30 times where an actor has to repeat the same thing over and over again, taking direction at the same time, uh, trying to keep it as 
similar as possible in their technique while adapting to the direction and instructions that they're getting. And after the scene is shot 35 times, which could take an hour, they say, okay, turn it around. All of the cameras, all of the tracks, <laughs> all the equipment are moved to the other side of the room. Whole walls of a set are blown out to make room for cameras. Everybody that was on one side of the room is now on the other. This is an hour and a half later, and they shoot it 25 more times from the other angle. And, you know, at the end of the day, you've got a two-minute sequence yeah. that took days to film in its entirety, and you have no clue what this is going to look like put together. And you know, when it, when you do see the finished product, you understand why they've got to go so many times from each angle. And all the while, you've got producers and people that you know are the money on the film walking around, making sure that everybody's on time, on budget. You know, we only have a certain amount of hours a day in a certain venue on a sound stage right. and that there, you know, there's pressure where he's literally up in the director's face or in the assistant director's face talking about, are we getting what we need? Did we get that? Are we going to be on schedule? Do we need extra days? It's all, a, it's, it's, it's a high pressure uh, atmosphere. I was very impressed with what goes in and, to making all that happen. It's, and you it's got not to, as you glamorous got to, you, as, you, you know, got you to be in the film. Celebrities. You got to be in the film, so uh, at the end of the day, it's fun to look back and have something, you know, I'm sure you'll go out and purchase a DVD and have it for the rest of your life and be able to show friends and, and uh, grandchildren, even, that uh, you were in the film. Uh, but did it, uh, it was, did, was it satisfying in that regard for you? Absolutely. Do you say DVDs? What are, what are DVDs, by the way? My, <laughs> my kids, my kids don't even know what a DVD is. I, I'm probably not. I'm going to own a copy, obviously. But uh, so I got an eight. I got an eight track player in my car, by the way. Oh my! You're aging yourself. <laughs> Be careful. Go ahead. So we're on the set, and Aaron says, "You know, I'm I'm bringing in poker industry people." And, you know, being in the industry, we got the casting calls. They asked me to bring a couple of underground guys who could make filling up the tables really easy. Uh, but he said, why aren't you in this? And I said, why am I not in this? And just like that, the wardrobe has got me measured for clothes and all kinds of stuff. And they they don't tell me what scenes I'm going to be in until a couple of days before and, you know, I'd, I'd nudge up to assistant directors and I said, is, is, is tomorrow going to be my day? And they let me know, well, we're saving you for this scene. We're saving you for this scene, you know, and, and the camera guys were so friendly. They, they knew I was the poker consultant. You're making friends with all these people on set. And I said, listen, make sure, make sure when the camera passes by that you give me my shot. And he said, don't worry, you'll get your shot. I'll make sure, you know, you're one of the good guys. And I, what a what a thrill yeah, to be I able to sit in all these scenes and you know I'm sitting beside Michael Sarah and Jeremy Strong in the game and there's Jessica Chastain standing in the room and she's running her scene and asking you to go here and stand here and it's it's amazing you know watching them film this movie and then actually being able to be on camera and pretend like I know what I'm doing who am I <laughs> movie actor but it uh, it all played out very nicely on the screen and I had at least 30 seconds of screen time, which is an eternity yeah, as far is. as I'm concerned. It certainly is. Uh, you, talk, you, you, bring up, you bring up a couple of the actors. Jessica Chastain was just outstanding, and there was some talk that she would get a Best Actor nod uh, for the Oscars. She did not, and eventually uh, uh, 
the only award that it's up for is that adapted screenplay. But uh, you talk about how much time it takes to film these things. Then you have the whole editing process, which can take months uh, before the film finally comes out. And uh, you have to sign a non-disclosure agreement, uh, everything secretive. Um, so in the time period between uh, the shooting of the film and the finally was presented in a the theater, uh, what did you do in between that time? Oh, it was, uh, it was back to reality, uh, back to the day job, uh, back to hustling up our event planning company. There wasn't much talk about the movie. You know, while the movie's uh, in post-production, nobody really knows about it. Um, there aren't details leaked. The production companies and the distribution companies are only letting out little bits and pieces. I'm sitting at home like you are, trying to check YouTube for the latest trailers to see if I made any of the trailer cuts and stuff like that. <laughs> it's very calculated what they release and when they release it. it uh, it's quite a process, but no, between the time that we're done shooting and the movie comes out, you're just, you know, your regular guy wondering how it's all going to play out. Yeah, Idris Elba was outstanding in the film as well, and uh, I think we we mentioned we talked briefly uh, last week, and uh, uh, we both mentioned uh, Kevin Costner, who has a small part, but really one of the critical scenes of the movie. Not really poker related, more about Jessica's life, but he was fantastic as well. For anybody that has not seen the movie, park bench scene, Kevin Costner, it kind of brings the movie home. What a great yeah. scene, father daughter scene. It's worth almost the entire movie. Idris Elba also gives a great speech in uh, in the district attorney's office. This is a movie that needs to be seen if you're a poker enthusiast and if you're not. It's just a great uplifting story. I want everybody to go see this film. Judge for yourself. Yeah, absolutely. The other guy who was great was, uh, I think his name was Harlan in the movie that had the bad beat and... Uh, uh, you probably, as the questions Joe asked you about his reactions and that sort of thing, I'm sure you worked with him quite a bit as well. Harlan Hustis in the movie, uh, real life character, and I, you know what? Somebody who knows Molly's game story better than I, and can look it up on the net what what his character's name was in real life. Bill Camp, great guy, actor, great character actor, and you catch him in all kinds of movies with big names. Uh, really nice guy on set wanted a little bit of color and background on how this should look and he's got a really good climactic scene where you know he's he's the main character that gets his ass kicked at the table he is such a good actor he had to do that scene of all the scenes that i was on set for they did that scene the most because it, it was the most immersive in the story there was a little bit of uh, action to it uh, he takes a very bad beat in the film. For those people who haven't seen it yet, you're going to enjoy that. Uh, what a great actor. I got to tell you. Yeah, he was great. It's, it's in the trailer, so I'm not giving much away, but there's a scene where he picks up some Chinese noodles and whips it at the dealer. And, uh, you know, you know how many noodles had to hit that dealer that day? I, I, I can't. They brought in so many plates of noodles for that. I believe it. Great scene. I believe Great it. Scene. Uh, one quick break, and uh, we'll finish things up when we come back. Uh, we're talking with Josh Leichner, the uh, technical poker consultant on the movie Molly's Game. And I just want to get to a couple of quick things uh, at the end here about uh, there was some criticism out there, but uh, people have no idea how tough that job is and how many times uh, he made contributions to the film. So we'll finish things up right after we return. Listening to Poker Action Line, pick us up. 
on the Hold'em Radio Network or uh, all any places you get your podcasts. Uh, we are on weekly here from South Florida. We'll be back after this. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration, and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available here. WFO Radio NHRA Nitro is all about the NHRA Full Throttle Drag Racing Series. Join Joe at 7 p.m. Eastern each Tuesday night for the first edition of NHRA Nitro. Featuring the NHRA's Alan Reinhardt. Race winners stop by to talk about bringing home the Wally. Every Tuesday night following NHRA national events. NHRA Nitro is available on demand anytime on the WFO radio application and at WFORadio.com. Okay, welcome back to the show. Josh Leitner, our guest, kind of spent some time... uh, with us this evening, and this is another one of those shows, Joe, that I could do four hours. You oh, know that. Let me tell you, this is this is this is definitely a top three show for me, and it's been almost eight years, Josh. Okay, Josh, uh, when you went back to the uh, Toronto Film Festival, it was like a big reunion for everybody, I'm sure. Absolutely. So I, I got to bring my wife, my business partner, uh, and, a, and a couple of friends, and you know, it, seeing all the actors that you had worked with, and you're you're shaking hands and. Uh, there's a the movie. There's a character, Bad Brad, big character in the movie. If you've seen it, you know. And if you haven't seen it, you're going to enjoy Bad Brad. It's a great part of the movie. Uh, he's an actor that I connected with on set who had never played poker at all, and, and he didn't have to play poker. His uh, his character was a bit of a rookie, and uh, we just had some great interaction on the set. He also uh, has uh, some work that he does in in the 
very well-known Netflix series called 13 Reasons Why, a series that really touched my family because I got kids at that tender age. And uh, I let him know that I really enjoyed his work on uh, on that. And I when I let my wife know that I was working with one of the characters on that show. She's like, oh, I can't believe it. And there we are at the premiere getting to introduce my wife to, to Brian Darcy James. And what a thrill, you know, it, just amazing. That That whole evening was magical. I've got to tell you. I can imagine. And uh, so many contributions you made to the film, I'm sure, on a, on a daily basis, uh, correcting little things with the actors that you talked about. Uh, how, many, how was your uh, interaction with Aaron Sorkin? I mean, there was a couple of things you mentioned that you would have liked to have changed, but he kind of stood up to you on it. And basically, because it's Hollywood, it's, uh, you know, he knows the film business, and you might want to make things perfect poker-wise, but it just didn't work at that point. Tell us a little about that. So you're right. I want to make things perfect poker-wise. I know that uh, the whole poker industry and a bunch of poker geeks are going to watch this, and they're going to scrutinize everything. But, I, you know, early on, uh, we're on set. We're filming high-net-worth game scenes, and there are a couple of cut-ins and interactions at the table that didn't seem right in the script to begin with. And I, I let him know, and I'm not standing beside Aaron throughout this. Uh, he's referring to me for advice and directions. And while we were blocking scenes before we were getting to actually shoot them, I'd be standing there and, and he'd say, does this look right and this look right? And that was my chance to tell him no. So... I let him know. I said, you know what? I'm going to get eaten alive. It's my reputation on the line. Uh, we've got the actors in places, and some of them that have played poker before are looking at me, and they know the job that I'm doing, and they kind of they said, should, should I tell them or, or should you tell them? There's a particular scene where uh, betting opens $1.3 million in a pot. They're narrating. Jessica's narrating her character, talking about bringing a poker, a layman. Uh, a layman poker observer along with the narration, and it's done very well. It's, it's actually pretty unique that brings everybody, even those who don't know poker uh, technical terms, her narration throughout the film just helps you along. In any case, the scene opens with uh, $1.3 million in the pot post-flop, and the first bet out is 100000 <laughs> And I, I tried to explain to Aaron at the time, well, that's not, that's not much of a continuation bet, and... And he said, continuation bet, you know, he's a poker guy, but he's not that much of a poker guy. And I said, I'm going to get skewered on this because that's not a, a strong play at a pot. And the next line in the script talks about a raise to 200000 And then there's another raise to 300000 And I said, that's also not right because in a game, especially that one, which at the time is going to be the most important poker game in the world, uh, if you're playing with, you know, a quarter million dollar buy-in, you're you're not going to have a raise from two to three. That's a clear short raise. At that point, I'm into, I'm into this, my very wordy ex explanation. He sticks his hand out and he says, Josh, that's okay. We're doing it like this. And this is in front of all the cast and crew. I felt emasculated at the time. And an absolute icon and mogul just told me to shut the, shut the hell up, basically. <laughs> and, it, you know, I, I stepped back. Uh, the, the prop master came over and he said, you know what, you handled that right. This happens all the time. You told him what you need to tell him, but he's got a plan. He's got a plan. And, you know, I, to Aaron's credit, he comes up to me after and he says, listen, I'm sorry for yelling at you. 
the scene, we're going to film it this way, but you're going to see after editing and all this. It's not going to be important uh, who wins this hand or who drags in the chips. We're filming a whole bunch of things at the same time, and after editing, it's going to make complete sense. And he had me believing. And there we are at the, you know, the film festival and watching the movie. And I warned all of my friends. I warned as many people as I could that there might be a couple things in there that look kind of foolish, but not to the millions of people that are going to see this movie. Maybe but to 1% of, of scrutinous people. And, and sure enough, uh, it, it wasn't as obtuse as it felt when we're filming on the go, but even through editing, you could still see there's a scene where a raise goes from 200 to 300 and boy the outcry on twitter after the movie was released you know from poker celebs and and you know nolan dowell and jennifer tilly and everybody's chiming in about you know that that's bogus who is josh like who is this poker guy what, what kind of poker consultant is he he couldn't tell aaron sorkin that uh that you're about to film a poker movie you're on a set and you can't get even the technical aspect of the game right and I never had a Twitter account. I felt like I needed to uh, sign up for Twitter right away and defend myself. And as soon as I did, I got all kinds of tweets, uh, including from Robbie Stravinsky, who wrote the article and said, you know, are you for real? And he, he you know, double-checked just to make sure that I was who I was. And that's how the, the article came about. But, uh, yeah, no, you know, to my shock, watching the movie to seeing that it, it got thrown in there, all I could say in my defense is that when Hollywood's best writer, most polarizing writer, and now director, filming a movie that I know is going to be a blockbuster when it hits the theaters, you can feel that on the set, tells you to stand down. You stand down. Absolutely. You, you know, you, Absolutely. He's, he's got artistic control and he's got creative license. It is Hollywood as well. Uh, you know, when you say it's not a poker movie, it's not. And so I kind of got it, and yeah. I appreciated the fact exactly. that he had a master plan. How about the uh, the comment by uh, Mike Sexton, or I think it was, or maybe Jennifer, about the chips, that they didn't think it was right for the chips that you used? You know, it's funny. On the set, I said to to script supervisors and assistant directors and the props guys, we're using the Walmart chips for some of these sets. And, and the answer I got was, Yes, we're going for authenticity. Uh, that uh, that Molly, <laughs> in her consulting, who wasn't allowed to come to Canada, but who had consulted with Aaron quite a bit, tried to explain that this was bargain basement. You know, the first games ever in in the in the Cobra Lounge, uh, as as is depicted in the movie, which had a real name in real life, uh, which for anybody seeing the movie was in the basement of the famous Viper Room nightclub, right. Viper Room, Cobra Lounge. They, they, they played with all of that stuff for the film. But in being true to form, they wanted bargain basement Walmart-style chips because that's what Molly said this game started out as, before it was important to have your own custom-made chips, which did show up later in the film. Uh, yeah, the rinky-dinky Walmart chips felt weird doing it, but they reassured me that... They wanted to keep true to form and follow the timeline. And throughout the, the movie, the scenes changed, the chips changed. Uh, such a, an attention to detail with regard to the yeah, props, sure. right down to the Blackberry versions that she had <laughs> in the movie from the, the early 2000s. Uh, you know, they actually had 
those old model blackberries just to keep with the times. They had props people doing their research on what Apple computers would would have been back in the day. We had a day on set where I mentioned, hey, uh, you know the new $100 bills that have that blue tinge to it and it's got the stripe? There was a bag of money that was presented in the film during a timeline, and I just mentioned to the props guy, hey, these are the new 100s, uh, you know, and it's movie money, but uh, is anybody going to catch that this happened in 2011 and those bills didn't come out until 2012? And they spent a half a day online trying to figure out if this was going to be a big deal. And they just, you know, they eventually went with, you know, it's it's going to be a quick pass-by scene. And it was, wasn't a big deal. But you, you can imagine that attention to detail happening on set. I know you were thrilled with the final product. And uh, certainly I know you'll be watching eagerly uh, to the Oscars show on Sunday night. But uh, in closing, what was your final um, view of Molly Bloom personally? Very impressive woman. So uh, I got to meet her in person, and this was at the film festival. They allowed her into the country for the night, uh, just the night, with her family to see the premiere. Uh, you know, I talked with Erin on set, and I said, is she going to be able to come watch this movie? Uh, and, and he said, I don't know. They're not going to know up until that day when she shows up at the airport whether they're going to let her in through customs or not. And uh, sure enough, she sat in the row in front of us, and I, I looked at my partner and I said, that's, that's Molly, that's the real Molly Bloom. So we went and introduced ourselves before the lights dimmed. We let her know who we were and what we did on the movie, and we had a, a great couple of moments after the movie, pouring out of the theater with the, with the crowd uh, into the, in the side alley. Uh, we took her aside again, and we said, how did you like that? And she was floored. She couldn't believe it. She loved it. Uh, you know, and, and for our own little capacity, I said, how did you feel the poker scenes were? Uh, and she said, very intelligently said, you guys nailed it. You did a great job. It's exactly the way she envisioned it. My business partner hands her our business card. And I, and I let her know, you know what? We got this job. I was on set because of my shady poker past and, we kind of do what you did, and, and that's kind of what got us the job and ingratiated us with the production team. And when we handed her the card, she very funnily looked at us and said, guys, I'm so out of the business, it's not even funny. And she handed the card back. She said, great job, but I'm not sure I want to <laughs> hold on to this card. We uh, had a good true. laugh, and then, you know, what a great moment. She's a very impressive, smart woman. Well, listen, this whole interview has been great for us. I tell you what, we've enjoyed the hell of it. And uh, uh, I invite people to get out there and watch this movie. Um, you know, over the years, we had rounders, and then we had a dearth of uh, crappy poker movies. And while this isn't a complete poker movie, it certainly uh, does a lot to build up the game and give a little background on, on the history of the game, really. And uh, you guys did a fantastic job. Thank you, thank you very much. Uh, the, I've gotten, I've gotten further calls from uh, the production teams that you know there's always going to be uh, a gambling scene in a movie or a production down the road. I think that we made our mark with uh, with these Toronto crews and uh, and the producers on the film. 
I've gotten a couple of calls for for future work if it gets greenlit. I I may be in action again, All which right. is awesome. All right. When that happens, it would be my pleasure to get back here on the radio with you guys. This Definitely. has been a ton of fun. Uh, thanks for your time. We appreciate it, and uh, uh, good luck on Sunday because I know you'll be pulling for your movie. Absolutely. That's uh, you know I'm going to be watching just to see what he has to say. Okay, we'll talk to you again soon. Thank I'll you, hang on Josh. to your number and uh, hopefully. Uh, this leads to more things in your uh, creative life. Thanks so much, guys. This okay. was a lot of fun. Thanks a lot. We'll talk to you later. Uh, Josh Leichner, the uh, you know, I, I, it's funny. Uh, there was a film called uh, Oh uh, that Matt Savage was in. I'm trying to remember the film. They had a little note about it here in the story. Uh, see the. Uh, Lucky You was the name of the film, Lucky and uh, the poker consultant on that one was Doyle Brunson. So uh, certainly walking in some big footsteps there. That wasn't quite the movie this one was, but, no, but uh, you know, it, it's, it's tough. And it's you know. a shame that Josh took that heat, even though he he approached Aaron Sorkin about it. In today's and, world, that's part of the gig. And I believe think. it or not, it, it, again on a much smaller scale, Dave, I had to do the same thing in Miami Highlight when there was a Spanish novella going on that they were filming a poker scene and, you know, they didn't go into as, you know, intricate details and constant, you know, for, you know, reshooting the scene 50 times. But I had to tell them no one knew there anything about poker. And yeah. I told them, well, listen, if, you, if you're going to have a hand, they wanted the, the quote, the, the known hand. I said, well, that doesn't work with what you're trying to do here because it makes absolutely no sense. And I had to tell them exactly what they had to do, but exactly, yeah. you know, it, it, it's tough. It, it's amazing listening to this interview on a on a smaller scale. I've been through a lot of what he's been through, and uh, the, Some, the only thing I haven't been through it was an arrest, or, or else I would have been in this industry. But sometimes it's so amazing how much we know about poker. <laughs> And, and, that that yeah. most people don't. Exactly. Let's take a final break in the show. We'll come back and close things out when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. Our thanks to Josh Leitner for, for spending the entire show with us, and we appreciate it so much. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean. You can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. 
We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. Just one, just one quick uh, segment here to finish things out here in the night. Our thanks to uh, Josh Leichner. That was a uh, that was really fun for us. You, you uh, loved it. Joe. Uh, let I me tell you, you something. We were talking right before off air. Now, this was inc- I mean, I'm telling you, it, 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 you know, he was just so well spoken. He did this so wonderfully. It, I, I swear, I felt like a kid listening to a uh, nighttime story here. You know, listening to him tell him talk about this. Going through some of the things, obviously it brought back a lot of memories for me. Uh, this, let me tell you, this has been my favorite interview probably really? since the last Jason uh, Mercier interview. And uh, Josh, thank you so much because this this was very entertaining for me and I'm sure for our listeners. Uh, they're finishing things up and out in Los Angeles at the LAPC. We'll get to a lot of poker stuff next week, results and uh, that sort of thing, but. Uh, uh, certainly, that was a lot of fun. I highly recommend seeing the movie. Uh, it's not really a poker movie. There's a lot of poker scenes and a lot of great stuff, and, and they did a tremendous job of displaying it. But uh, as a human interest story, uh, Molly Bloom and uh, what she went through and uh, uh, just great acting by Jessica Chastain, Idris Elba, Kevin Costner, and the whole cast, it's well worth your time. Well, that's it's long. After, listen, it's after, long. It's like two hours and twenty minutes. That's okay. Well, listen. After, after listening to Josh tonight, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make sure that I get to see that picture in the very near future. We'll spend some more time on the poker stuff, then, including the final results of the LAPC. Uh, Lonnie Harwood also won uh, the high roller out in uh, at the Rio, in uh, the WSOP circuit. And uh, we'll have some results out of that. The Molly's game, by the way, uh, if you want to know how to get a hold of it when it comes out, it hits digital download on March 27th. And then the Blu-ray and DVDs will be released on April the 10th. And, of course, uh, this Sunday night is the Academy Awards on ABC. You can check it out to see if Aaron Sorkin uh, comes away with an Oscar for his script. So a lot of fun. Uh, Check it out, and uh, we'll have more on Poker Action Line next week. We'll talk to you then. Great show. (laughs) The views and opinions of the hosts, guests, or callers are not necessarily those of the station, its owners, advertisers, or agencies. 